We're back on the Afterthoughts podcast here on November 13th. Uh, this evening, we had Dr. Larry Osborne uh, bringing us 2 Samuel chapter 23 as we've been winding down our series in David. And tonight, my co-host Lindsay's not here with me. Tonight, I have one of our previous guests joining me. This is my wife, Michael. Uh, if you didn't see her episode, go back, watch it. It's good. She talked about some good stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's so long ago. Gosh, I don't even remember what, what I said. We're Maybe on episode... Yeah. Maybe I should go back and watch it. We're on episode 15 or 16 now. That was like three or four. So it's been a while. Um, but yeah, if you're interested, you want to hear more from Michael. If you like what she says tonight, go back and check out her other episode. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're going to be talking tonight as we got to the end of the message. Larry talked about uh, the idea of humility. And so we kind of contrast that with pride and humility. And so that's what we're going to make the topic tonight is pride and humility. And so we've got some notes here and we've got a few questions that have already come in. And so we're excited to jump into this topic. Uh, right off the bat, there's a quote. Uh, our conversation started because um, some things that Michael shared with me in the past, and we'd had some conversations over in one of our, both of our favorite writers and many Christian favorite writers mm-hmm. is C.S. Lewis. And he has a lot to say on this topic. And so if you haven't read C.S. Lewis and you don't know who he is, go back and read him. He's uh, one of the great thinkers of our uh, era of uh, Christian thinking and uh, and a great writer just in and of that. And so uh, this one quote kind of puts everything into context and where we'll bounce off for today. And it is this, it says, um, speaking about pride, it says, there is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else. And of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. The vice I'm talking of is pride or self-conceit. And the virtue opposite to it in Christian morals is called humility. And so that quote in and itself kind of sets the stage for pride and humility. And you brought this to mind uh, for me because of some writings you had in journals and some, there's a kind of little bit of a story. It's not an amazing story. It's nothing where you almost lost your life or anything, but no. uh, you have a history with this. And uh, I thought it was very interesting the way you came to this, uh, the reading of this. And so why don't you share that? Yeah, it was, I was in my late teens, maybe like 18 or 19. And my dad told me about this book called Mere, Christ- Mere, Mere Christianity. And if you haven't read it, it's one that I think that every um, Christian should read because it he the way he talks about our faith it's like oh my goodness that I never really thought about that yeah. before and when I got to the chapter on pride um, I had never really heard about pride in that context I've heard of school pride and um, but I had never really thought of it as a vice and the way that he described it felt like he was speaking words directly into my heart and there was something that he liked to continue on the quote that Kip read Um, He said, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. And I remember reading that and thinking, yeah, in church, every, all we hear about is, you know, in chastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that. Um, but the root is that pride. Yeah. And it, it, it brought, it made me aware of um, the pride that I had in my heart. And it sent me on a, you know, sort of a lifelong search to deal with it. Yeah. So I remember many conversations we've had about it um, because of this. And I know uh, just the level of impact that, that the book Mere Christianity and specifically this chapter on pride has had just even in your thoughts, you know, times you've had opportunities to share and speak, you've gone back to this and studied it and we've had conversations on it 
Um, and it, one of the things that he mentions in here is he says it was through pride that the devil became the devil. That's a, that's something that people talk about. Uh, and a lot of people maybe not know where that comes from. Uh, I was having a conversation today about some, with someone, uh, asking questions about, uh, why we don't teach on the spiritual realm as much. And we don't typically teach on the spiritual realm one, because we go more chapter by chapter, but verse by verse. And so we don't hit mm-hmm. topics. Uh, but we don't often do it that much because it can also often be a pitfall for people. Uh, but this uh, concept, this concept here, is uh, something that references back. There's not a verse where it's like the devil did this, and it's not like a narrative story to inform us of what the devil did. But there are bits and pieces, and one of those can be found in Isaiah chapter 14, 13 and fourteen. If you want to look at it, as I, the prophet Isaiah is talking about pride, he talks about Satan, and it's kind of a Uh, he's talking to Satan and he says this, he says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the Mount of assembly in the far reaches of the North. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And that's most high, all caps, meaning God. And so it's like, this is, these are almost the words that Satan said to himself, uh, to set him, to set himself up above God. And it was that pride that caused him to fall. And so um, there's just kind of a reference back to that. Uh, but it, it's interesting how, you know, C.S. Lewis even says that when you put it in that contrast, it's like, oh, pride's not that big of a deal. And it's like, well, pride actually made Satan Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, when you put it in that concept, yeah. it puts a little more weight to it. And so I think it's it's worthy of, you know, introspection and it's worthy of us looking at it because it is fundamental, you know, our thought on pride and its place and in our life or not in our life. Uh, to our belief system. And so uh, are, what are some thoughts you had on that, just even in yeah. how transformative that was for he, you to think about it? In that chapter, he goes on to basically talk about how um, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, but only out of having more than the next person. So it's that comparison that makes us proud. It's it's comparative in nature. And when comparison is gone, it's pride is gone. And so oftentimes people think, I don't struggle with pride. It's, it's because they they're not comparing themselves with anybody at that moment. You know, greed will drive somebody to want to attain more if there's not enough to go around. But pride, when somebody has more than they could possibly want, they'll try to get more just to assert their power. It's that comparison that is so dangerous. And and that's what the devil was doing. Interesting comparison between pride and greed. Because they are talked about separately, whereas greed is like this it's just an internal selfish, almost I want it just simply because I want it. Whereas pride says I want it because I want to be better than you. Yeah, it underpins people. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's a bit of looking down. There's another quote that we were looking at. C.S. Lewis has so many quotes, obviously, because he wrote a whole chapter on pride. Uh, so many of the quotes that were in there were really, obviously, very good quotes. But one of them talked about how uh, when you are a person of pride, pride is the looking down upon someone. Mm-hmm. And he makes this statement. He says that anyone who's looking down because of pride uh, can't see the things above them. And I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it, is that if pride is a looking down upon, uh, it takes our eyes off of God in a sense. And so rather yeah. than looking up, we're looking down. That's why that's I an think interesting way of saying it. He said it's the anti-God state of mind because as Christians, we should be looking up always. Yeah. Here's the exact quote. He says, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you, Mm -hmm. uh, is the way that he said it. So again, great chapter, uh, great book. And so I encourage you to go back and read. If if you're looking for a deeper study on pride, if you're looking for a 
a great read on just the fundamental principles of Christian thought. Um, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. We'll talk probably a little bit more on that. But uh, one of the questions we got tonight kind of dives into this a little bit. We'll talk about it because uh, I think it fits in right here. It says this question came in and said, Pastor Larry said of humility that there's a difference between fact and pride. Uh, in the in the sermon tonight, he talked about how like if you are the fastest runner and you say, I'm the fastest runner, you're not necessarily being prideful. You're just simply stating the fact that you are the fastest runner. Uh, and so that's where this is coming from. It says, in theory, that's easy. But in society, owning the fact of your success is often equated with pride or arrogance. Can you further unpack how we can walk this line to maintain a Christ-like witness? Um, That's and a good I, question. It, it's a good question. I think it takes us to a practical application, which is always good. And so these, this is a great question because I think it comes from a healthy place of saying, I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. So how can I not go there? Um, I think one, it, it starts with, I would say the natural tendency is to go to a practical application of going, here's what you should do. But I think um, in that moment, actually be, I think doing this right starts before a moment. Mm -hmm. Like there's a moment where you have to make a decision of how you'll respond to a situation. And I think the work actually takes place before. I think it's a preparing of your heart. It's a right attitude. It's a right perspective of yourself. Um, All of those things play into making a decision like this. So like if a situation were to arise where you would, you would have an opportunity to speak truth about your accomplishments or successes or whatever, um, I think you'll handle that better if prior to that moment you've put yourself in your right place. Prior to that moment you've you've you know held back your pride, you've tempered yourself with humility and those kind of things through practice and prayer and a, and a right understanding of who God is and who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts on that? Well, I just think about um, well, I'm an I'm an artist, a studio artist, so I I paint, mm-hmm. and for me to say, you know. I wouldn't, if somebody said, you are a great painter for me to say, oh no, I'm not. It's, right. it's, that's false modesty. Because you are a great painter. Because I can paint. I am a good painter. Actually, you're an amazing painter. Thank you. Yes. But the only I'm reason I am. I'm tempting your pride right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're not actually. Um, but the only reason I'm I trying. am is because people have poured into me. Right. Um, I have worked hard at it. Um, and ultimately God, every good and perfect gift comes from God. So the only reason I can do that we have the gifts and the, the time, the treasures and talents that we have is because, uh, he who f- began a good work in us com- will be faithful to complete it. And, and so I, you know, that relates because I, for me to say, no, I'm not a good artist right. would, it would be self-deprecation it, rather it is. than, and it's, it's, which like Larry said, is kind of more of a lie. Yeah, it's kind of groveling and smarmy, but yeah. when, when somebody has humility, they, they know what their strengths and weaknesses are and without a comparative nature. Now, if I turned right. that and said, well, I'm not as good as so-and-so or I'm better than so-and-so, then that's the root of that is pride because I'm measuring myself in comparison with other people. And that's when, when pride creeps in. Yeah. So to take that to another practical point that someone could write down as a note from this in a sense would be um, practically the great way to apply that is to go, if you're comparing yourself to anyone other than God, it might be prideful, Yeah. right? And and if you are comparing yourself to God and you think you're better than him, it's definitely pride, mm-hmm. right? So there's some bullet points for you. I hope that helps shed some light on that uh, question there. I think that is a great question and I think it comes from a place of health. The fact that that question even is there, I think you're in a good place um, recognizing that it is difficult to sometimes be uh, humble in talking about our successes without, because we'll be tempted with pride. I think that's probably Mm -hmm. where that question comes from is pride is such a temptation to us. And maybe that's part of what we can talk about 
uh, on this as we finish on this pride section is that uh, because pride is such a vice, because mm-hmm. it is such a burdensome uh, thing to overcome in many people's lives, I think that it is uh, that we can't understate the temptation that comes with it because so many things, it's almost a, the irony of it is that even when you're super humble, you know, it's almost, mm-hmm. I think there was a friends episode once that kind of talked about the idea of how you can't be the most humble. Uh, it was like, you can't truly do a selfless act. It's yeah. like that kind of a thing. Right. It's almost <laughs> a conundrum. That. It's like, oh, I finally got myself to a place where I'm humble. I'm so good at being humble. And it's like instantly now you're being prideful again. And it's like, even humility can become prideful. And so, um, that's why pride is such a pitfall is because I think it's in our very core and if we just let our humanity go, we would just be super prideful people. And mm-hmm. so I think we have to temper that uh, with humility. I think it comes with discipline and exercise um, of making sure that we're not just allowing that to run rampant. So, um, so yeah, you got a couple more questions coming in. We'll get to one of these in just a minute. But you mentioned this comment of just the difference between pride as a fault versus the concept of pride. Um, as we transition here into humility, but uh, pride being just that vice of pride, not taking pride. When we yeah, use that like, in I'm context, proud of my kids, you know, yeah, it's like right. a semantical thing. It's like, can you do you have to obliterate all forms of pride? It's like, no, I think no. there's a healthy pride of you know being proud. We use that word uh, as long as it's not the vice pride. And so, like I can, mm-hmm. like you said, you can be proud of when your kid does something great or those kind of things. It's really an admiration of pride, not necessarily a pride as in placing yourself above someone and looking yeah. down on them. So uh, so with that, as we kind of began this whole thing, uh, as C.S. Lewis uh, kind of posed it, was that there's pride and then the virtue opposite to it is humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to kind of turn the corner and, and talk about humility for a little bit. So we are, uh, where am I at? We are uh, about 12 minutes in. So we got a little bit of time here left to talk about humility. I think it was good because as, as Larry finished with point four, that's what really turned the corner on this was humility is the secret to longevity. If you didn't hear mm-hmm. the sermon, you can go back. As he talked about this idea of a turtle on a post, he didn't get there on his own. And as David finishes, he talks about the mighty men of valor. We're going to get to that in a minute too. I think there's some great application there. But what I wrote in my notes was um, it's something Larry started to say. And it was like, as he said it, I was like, ooh, that's a really good quote. But then he said it different. And I kind of rewrote it. Was I was like, oh, if he just said it like this, it would have been a nice little package. So I kind of wrote it myself. Uh, based off what he said was like humility is not a low view of oneself because that's where we talked about how it's like oh I'm so you know nothing and like mm-hmm. you said I could become self you know deprecating and it's not a low view of self it's a right view of oneself mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what it is is the, the when we answer that question what is a right view of yourself I think that's the key to uh, living in that 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 balance of humility between pride and humility. Yeah. C.S. Um, Lewis also said, it's not thinking a, um, less about yourself. So it's not like that groveling thinking less about yourself, but it's actually thinking about yourself less. Um, and just kind of great little word play there, not occurring to yourself. I didn't, it was C.S. Lewis. Yeah. It wasn't me. Say that again, just in case someone was trying to take notes. It's not thinking less about yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, one of the verses in there just, uh, that came to mind as we were talking through this was in James chapter four, verse six, he says, but God gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, and so we see a lot of virtue in the idea of humility. And, um, 
one of the questions that came in with that is we were talking about humility equated to wisdom. There's one verse you read. Yeah. Uh, read that verse because I think that it was says, cool. It, it I puts think it's wisdom James, and humility. James 3, but it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good, de- good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So, so in a sense in James, uh, both of these verses going back and forth, uh, James is another good read on just wisdom in general. Mm-hmm. Talks about anyone who lacks wisdom, ask and it will be given. So he kind of goes on this thing of wisdom. So the fact that James then brings humility into the conversation mm-hmm. on wisdom shows that that's where wisdom lies is in humility, a right view of oneself, uh, an, a, a correct opposition to the pride, the vice of pride in ourself, uh, really shows a level of wisdom and maturity that every Christian should ascribe, ascribe to. And this question came in, uh, I think goes on those lines. It says, what might it look like? What might it look or sound like to give God glory for your successes in a public way without appearing performative or inauthentic to believers and especially non-believers? So in the idea of like, okay, when you have to give God glory, because again, that's that hard thing is like, oh, I'm so humble. I'm amazing at being humble. It's kind of that same contradictory problem you run into. And it's like, how do you do that? Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. I felt like boiling it down. Um, I would say it's, it's simplicity, mm-hmm. uh, would be the way that you would try to put that into practical application. I don't think you have to be over, uh, gratuitous to God in that sense of like, Oh, if it wasn't for the Lord God almighty who redeemed me and said, like, and at that point it's like, all right, you know, take it down a Pipe notch. Down. <laughs> I think the simplicity is just simply going, you know, I couldn't have done it without God. Like just sim- that simplicity of just giving God the credit, bringing him into the conversation. We talk about that in a class that we do on evangelism. And that's actually a great way to use God language in a sense in our conversation. And anytime someone were to point out something good in us that we can give credit to God for, it's a great way to begin that conversation and even start a conversation with someone. And so I would say in that simplicity of just giving God credit, Mm -hmm. there's also an open door to evangelism as well. So there's two benefits there. There's something too that Larry said that humility keeps us from spiritual amnesia. And Mm -hmm. I like it because um, when we're humble, it, it causes us to remember that we are not here by our own doing. And we're it gives credit where credit is due. And it's because of all the good things that God has done for us. Um, yeah. Okay. So the, the last thing that we wanted to kind of end this with practical application, we got one more question. I'll take a look at that real quick, see if this ties in or if we have to start another point on it. But, uh, at the end he talked about, we said we were going to get to this, the, where the question said, who are the mighty men of valor Mm -hmm. that quote, mighty men of valor that David talks about where he gives credit to all these people for the great things that they did, uh, in your life. And then, and a lot of times the accomplishments David received, uh, were the result of other people uh, in his life. And so he's given that credit. And then it, the question then came to and said, who spoke truth at a time when you needed it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you shared a story even recently about an experience you had at a conference. Um, yeah. Why don't you share that and yeah. then we'll continue I was, this. Um, at a creative arts retreat up at Hume Lake Christian Camps. And there were s- um, some really amazing people up there doing seminars and teaching. And somebody, we had a panel the final day and somebody asked the question, um, who like, how did you get to where you are? Who are the people that spoke into your life? And so we went down one at a time and each person uh, shared stories about the people who spoke into their life. And I talked about, um, you know, a teacher I had in third grade, I was failing school. He caught me cheating on a test and he um, challenged me in a way that I needed to be challenged and, and got 
my attention because I had been failing school to that point. Um, my parents had gotten divorced and I was really struggling with it and I just couldn't focus in school. And he appealed to something in me and encouraged me to write, write poetry. And I started, you know, writing poetry. And I, I talked about how this, because this teacher just took an interest in the fact that I could use words and put words together, n like awakened something in me and I never again got a bad grade um I have had a love for poetry and poetry for me has been therapeutic um for my entire life and it was because a teacher and we went down the line and most of the time it was just something in um, seemingly insignificant that somebody came up and said to us um that changed the trajectory of our life and that that made me think like what are the things that we can be telling our children or our friends or the young people in our life or just our the people around us that God's placed in our presence what are those things that we can be telling them that may seem insignificant to us but might be the everything that they need to hear to become who it is that God created them to be um, and so that's yeah. that's what I was thinking about with this I think any given day like a teacher doesn't realize the impact of the words that they say or a parent has an impact that they say or even a friend over a meal could say just the right thing at the right time and I think that's what um, the key is, is just being available. Mm -hmm. And when we, especially as Christians, are people who speak truth and speak into truth in people's lives, I think that is something that people see as admirable because it is. I think to all of us, no one is ever said, man, if that person, you know, they're like mad at them because they said something that inspired them to better mm -hmm. things, you know, uh, we always look back and fondly remember that turning point, that thing. And most of the time people are like, I said that? I don't yeah. even remember saying that, you know? And to them, it was it was inert at that time. It meant nothing because they were just saying what they thought was true, but what that significance it could have to us. So it points back to that mighty men of valor and just really the the takeaway point is to say, to be people who speak truth into other people's lives, to call out the good we see, to encourage, to be people of encouragement and thanksgiving because we never know the impact that that will have in someone. It might be the right words at the right time for them. Um, yeah, and, and so to we remember, should do that. To remember yeah. w why you're a turtle on the pole, <laughs> to remember yeah. those people and the circumstances that um, brought you to where you are. Well, that's all good stuff. Uh, we have one more question. I think I'll save this um, and we'll do this as one of our follow-up questions. And uh, there we are at the end of our time. It always flies by so fast. Great conversation on pride and humility. Mm -hmm. Great questions. Thanks for those of you who sent questions in uh, to continue this conversation. Again, for further reading, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, especially the chapter on pride, if you want to take a deep dive into this. Chapter and then eight chapter eight and then you can also do a great word search on either bible hub or one of the uh, bible searches just simply mm -hmm. type in pride or humility and just read those verses and pull that truth out the chapter some, will come up there's a ton uh, of pride and wisdom uh, and humility all throughout proverbs as well you just yeah. nuggets for the day uh, you could take a verse a day almost and probably fill a whole month so uh, some other great places to go and continue studying or reading for yourself uh, but um, all of us continue to uh, resist the pride and live in that state of humility and from that be speaking truth and thanksgiving into other people's lives because we never know the impact they will have. So there we go. Signing off here at Afterthoughts Podcast. Come join us on Sunday night, 6 p.m. at the Carlsbad campus where we listen to the sermon, ask questions, and then talk about them here on the podcast. These are our afterthoughts. Uh, thanks again, Michael, for being here. Yep. Next week, Lindsay will join us back again. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Take care. God bless. <laughs>